The Keeping the Nostalgia Alive show is proudly brought to you by the Hoosier Basketball Academy. Want to improve your game and be an elite athlete? Hoosier Basketball Academy, located in the heart of Hoosier Hysteria, provides an excellent opportunity for student-athletes to improve their basketball skills. Their goal at Hoosier Basketball Academy is to provide an opportunity for young athletes to reach their full potential and allow them to compete at the highest level. Using their training model, they believe a solid foundation of fundamentals and muscle memory training is critical for the development of elite basketball players. This can only be achieved if you are mentally tough, have a strong work ethic, and are willing to sacrifice countless hours needed to be the best you can be. The Hoosier Basketball Academy offers high-intensity basketball training focusing on small groups and individual attention needed to improve your game, as well as specialized training and drills done at game speed to push you to your limits and improve overall physical conditioning. One of HBA's goals is to improve the skills and abilities of each player trained by focusing on ball handling, proper shooting mechanics, speed, agility, and footwork allowing you to take your game to the next level. This training is for players that are serious about improving their skills. Hard work pays off and gives you the competitive edge in practice that carries over to games against your biggest rivals. In addition to offering training, HBA fields highly competitive travel teams with many teams qualifying for nationals each year. Visit HBAElite.com for more info. Be elite and train to be the best. <clears throat> Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I'm your host, Billy Powell. Today with me is Lon Showley of Grass Creek, Fulton County, and Butler fame. Lon is the second all-time scorer at Grass Creek behind Phil Wills, which I hopefully he will talk about today. Uh, scored close to 1,300 points during his four-year career and averaged somewhere between 10 and 15 rebounds before heading on to Butler and playing for Tony Hinkle. Lon, thank you very much for taking a little bit of time to help to keep the nostalgia alive and, and to uh, share your stories of growing up Indiana high school basketball and, of course, college basketball in the state of Indiana. Well, thank you very much, Billy. It's my pleasure and an honor to be on this with you, and I look forward to it. What was the uh, what was the state of Indiana basketball like at that at the time that you were just getting to the age of of playing basketball and how did you get into the sport as a child? I have an older brother who was six years older than I who played basketball. Our father had been a high school basketball player at a neighboring little farming community school when he was a young man. But unfortunately, when he was a junior in high school, after they won the county championship. His older brother got married, so he had to drop out of high school to run the family farm because their father had died. So he had been a good high school basketball player back in the 30s, but had to go to work farming the family farm. And then when he got married to my mother, and then they had my older brother, uh, my brother started playing basketball. And although he didn't take it quite as seriously as I did, he was all county, and he's six years older than I, so we never played together, but he was a decent basketball player. And so I was always around basketball, and I remember starting to take a basketball with me to school in the second grade because I had to ride five and a half miles on a school bus from our farm to the school at Grass Creek. So that's when I started taking a basketball with me to school every day was in the second grade. So in the second grade, was there, was, so was it your brother that you emulated, or did you remember hearing any names on the radio, or was, you know, did you go to high school games in, when you were in second grade? 
Well, we didn't go to high school games until uh, I was a little bit older than that when my brother started playing, but it wasn't too much longer. Uh, you know, I guess I suppose I was watching him, plus my dad would shoot baskets with us afterwards, even though the style of his game was quite different than what it was in the 50s when I was growing up, uh, in that he would shoot underhand free throws and he would shoot two-hand set shots, and that, those were all long gone by the time my brother and I came along. But I guess I started watching my brother and the other players on the local high school team. And um, having always been tall, even as a first grader, I was the tallest in my class, it was just a natural for me to pursue basketball. So when did you sprout up to uh, – mm. uh, how, how tall were you when, it, when you entered high school? And was it before you entered high school that you felt like you had a little game? Actually, it was because I was in the fourth grade when the coach of our school fifth and sixth grade team – asked my dad one Friday evening at a high school game that my brother was playing if I might be able the next morning to play on the 5th and 6th grade team for a game against a neighboring school. And even though my dad was busy milking cows and doing farming, he arranged for me to go to the school. And I never played a game prior to that, but I was already taller in the 4th grade than all the 5th and 6th graders, even though I was the accurate age for my grade. And so I played the first game when I was in the 4th grade and I think we lost the game 6-4, to four, and I scored the four points that our team had. <laughs> give us a little bit, give the listeners a little bit of an idea where you grew up from. Where is that in, like, uh, uh, in geography, like to Indianapolis? Sure. I grew up in Fulton County. The, ca- the county seat up there is Rochester, Indiana, which makes it about 20 miles north of Logansport. So it's kind of north-central Indiana. And the old movie Hoosiers, which actually portrayed how communities followed the basketball team wherever they went, was so true because everybody in the community went to the games, whether it was a home game or away game, everyone went because it was the social thing to do. So I started going to the games when I was probably in the second or third grade. If I wasn't uh, watching the games, I can remember crawling around underneath the bleacher seats to collect ice cream wrappers so I could win a free belt, which they were giving away in those days. So as a young kid, I was going to the games. The Obviously, with my brother playing, I started watching more and more of it. And then fifth and sixth grade, as I said, I was always the tallest player on the team. We had a good team. And being a, fall, a small farming school, um, we played most of the other small farming school communities. But we were good enough by my sixth grade team that the coach arranged games for us with both Rochester and Logansport grade schools to have tougher competition because we were beating all the other local farming small schools. What was it like once you got into high school? Did you um, did you make the, did you make the freshman team? Were you on junior varsity? Did you play any varsity your freshman year? I played varsity as a freshman because I was six three and a half as a fourteen year old freshman. I stopped growing as a fifteen year old sophomore at six feet five inches tall, and even though I was very thin, I was the smallest. I was the tallest uh, boy in school from my uh, sophomore year on. And so that gave me a, a natural head start, of course. But I worked very hard at it, and I always remember my running layups in the second game of my sophomore year in high school was the first time I ever dunked a basketball. And I looked up in the balcony where my father and mother always sat, and sure enough, my dad was grinning from ear to ear because he saw me do it, and he knew it was the first time I'd ever dunked. Lon, tell us a little bit. You were after um, uh, Phil Wills, right? That is correct. Can Still you, graduated Grouse Creek in 1957. Okay. And, and did you did you watch him play? Was you know he, he's kind of one of those one of those lost tra- treasures. Although he's in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, 
there's a uh, there's some records that he holds that is not a record because of certain other things that happened. Correct? That is correct. Phil was an incredible shooter. He had played with my brother when my brother was a senior, and Phil was a junior in 1956. And the last part of the season, Phil's game started improving, and I think he ended up averaging around 20 points a game his junior year. And then over the summer, he grew to six foot five the same height I eventually got to when I came along a few years later. And Phil came back as a senior at 6'5", and the coach that year basically built the team around Phil, so Phil did most of the shooting and was probably the best shooter I ever saw in basketball with people hanging on to his arms while he was shooting. He managed to average, I think, a little bit over 43 points a game his senior year and had a high game of 60 points one evening. And in 1957, that was an unheard of shooting ability. Awesome. Uh, now, once you um, got into high school and you got through your freshman year, do you remember the first time that you knew a college coach had come to watch you play? Actually, I did not because we were a small school with an enrollment of 60 students at that point, boys and girls included, in all four classes. So if there, was a, if there was a college coach around, I never knew about it. And actually, it wasn't until my senior year that I started finding out that I was being recruited by colleges around the, and universities around the country. Uh, as a freshman and sophomore, I was playing with the same other group of guys who were juniors and seniors. I was the only freshman starter, and they were four uh, juniors starting my first year. The second year, I was a sophomore starting at center, and they were the four other seniors. And... One of them led the county in scoring that year, Dave Huffman, and as he acknowledged later on, he learned to make his jump shot shooting over the screens that I set for him my freshman and sophomore year. So I was not a scorer the first two years. I set screens and rebounded and did the best defense I could. Who was in your your guys' sectional? We were in the Logan Sports sectional at that point in time, and Billy Cuppy, who later became Indiana All-Star, was a big player of Logan Sport uh, at that point in time, made the Indiana All-Stars, and Billy was a very good player. Uh, prior to that, Logan Sport, when Phil Wills was a senior, Logan Sport had Dale and Showalter, who went on down to the University of Tennessee after that and became an All-SEC player. So I saw those guys, when Phil played, of course I was at the sectional, I saw them lose to Logan Sport, who had Dale and Showalter, who became an All-Star uh, for Indiana All-Star. And then by the time I got there, Billy Cuppy was a star player. I played against him, I think, my freshman or sophomore year. So we lost in the sectionals my freshman, sophomore, and junior year to various uh, teams. And then my senior year, which we haven't got to that point yet, but we got transferred to the Peru sectionals. What did you guys travel? Did you guys? What was the farthest place that you guys would travel to uh, to do a, home, a road game? Probably not more than adjoining counties. We played teams from the counties north of us, counties south of us, counties west of us, and counties east of us. But we never went beyond that, to my recollection, any time in high school at that point in time. Was there one game in your four years in high school that the bucket was just like a, uh, just like a just like an open sea where you were hitting everything? Well, it's sort of ironic because I was just sharing this with another basketball friend recently. My junior year, we were playing a team called Hamlet, which was another small school. And during warm-ups, I was missing everything I was trying to put in. So all my shots during warm-ups, I just said, I'm going to start shooting bank shots rather than going for the rim, as I'd always had done. And long story short, I ended up having the highest-scoring game of my career that night. 
I was 15 for 21 from the field for 30 points from the field goal, and I was 11 for 12 from the free throw line for another 11 points. We ended up with 41 points that night. And from then on, I remembered that hitting bank shots from a 45-degree <laughs> angle was a smart decision. <laughs> what, was there was there another college uniform that you may have had on besides a Butler University Bulldog one? And um, uh, what were some of the other schools that um, uh, you know recruited you? And then why did you pick uh, Butler? Well, that's one of the things that I really hadn't given a lot of thought to until as an adult looking back on things, I started hearing from various colleges during my senior year. Of course, growing up on a farm in North Central Indiana, I I followed IU basketball as best I could. I followed Purdue basketball because that's where Phil Wills went. And I always saw Butler Fieldhouse on the state finals on TV every year. But in terms of having plans to go forward, I really was focused primarily on basketball. Fortunately, I happened to have been a good student as well. I had pretty much straight A's all through high school. When I finally got to the recruiting point, it made it a lot easier to be accepted. But what I found out was back in the late 50s and early 60s, a lot of the colleges that were recruiting people like myself from these smaller communities had coaches from around the country like LSU and Tulane, uh, Vanderbilt, places New Mexico, places that were contacting me. Their coaches had previously been Indiana high school basketball coaches that still knew that some of the better players were still back in Indiana, so they were coming back there to recruit us. I didn't know that at the time, but LSU, for example, had the coach who was at Muncie Central when the great game that where Milan defeated Muncie Central. Uh, that coach, two or three years later, went down to LSU and became the head coach down there, but continued to come back to Indiana to recruit his players. I didn't really realize that at the time. I was too naive, but that's how I found out about a lot of these places. But in reality, watching the state finals and Tony Hinkle with Tom Carnegie do the state finals on TV every year. Oh, it was always my dream, as with most Indiana boys, I think, is to play in Butler Fieldhouse. And when the opportunity finally presented itself and Butler invited me down uh, for one of the games my senior year, uh, it didn't take much to convince me that that was what I'd always dreamed of. What was your first interaction with Tony Hinkle? Do you remember it? I believe it was during the first interview because my high school coach came down with me, Shannon Jones, had been a player at Indiana Central, and my junior year at Grass Creek was his first coaching job out of college, and I ended up leading the uh, county in scoring that year. It was named an all-conference player. The conference covered about three different counties, and I averaged whatever, 22-some points a game that year. But in my senior year, uh, he was my head coach when they started consolidating the schools and took my little school of Grass Creek and one other little school of Fulton and created a new interim consolidation school called North Caston. And so Shannon got chosen to be the North Caston coach as well. And so when Butler invited me down for the first game, for that game for the first time to go down to visit the campus, Shannon took me down, and so we went together. So after the game, we were invited to go down in the locker room and be introduced to Coach Tony Hinkle. Of course, I was excited about meeting him in person. And we got down there, and of course, my high school coach Shannon Jones and I were there together. And Shannon's about 6'4", and I was about 6'5", but Shannon was only one year out of college, and I was a senior in high school. And Coach Hinkle stood there and looked at us and said, now, which one of you is Shaolin? <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first introduction to Coach Hinkle. Now, I know I've gone ahead a little bit. Um, did, did you play any other sports in high school? I did. 
uh, although they were quite honestly to fill time for basketball season, but I played baseball, which in the smaller schools in that time was a fall sport, and I ran track when during the springtime. And I did have varsity letters for all all four years in baseball, all four years in track and field, as well as for all four years in basketball. And I was three-time county high hurdle champion for Fulton County in high hurdles, which my brother had run before me, so I sort of continued that trend as well. He used to hold the county record until I broke it. Tell us a little bit about your senior season. You guys went 21-0 and during the season, correct? That is correct. As I mentioned earlier, this is when the consolidation process was starting in our part of the state. So the smaller schools were being combined to create larger schools and new opportunities. And for those of us around, and we knew that the parents were unhappy with that because they were going to lose their school and lose the identity that the school offered. But as our season progressed and we were beating teams rather handily when they took Grass Creek and Fulton and combined us together and made Northcaston, uh, it seemed that the more games we won on the basketball court, the less resistance there was off the court toward this consolidation process. And once we finished the season, with a 21-0 and undefeated record for the first time, I believe, in the history of the school, or at least for Grass Creek. I don't know about Fulton. I don't think they ever had an undefeated season either. But in any event, most of the opposition to consolidation went away because the adults realized that they were going to have even a better basketball team with consolidation than what they'd had before. So it went pretty smoothly from there on. So we went 21-0 and during the regular season, and we got to finish our season the only time we ever played at the Culver Military Academy. They were a school that we had never played before, and, of course, they brought in players from all over the country to Culver Military Academy, so we were apprehensive never having played them before. But we managed to beat them on the final game of the season, and fortunately they had a swimming pool there, so we were able to throw our coach, Shannon Jones, into the pool <laughs> as a dunking for his uh, uh, having coached his first undefeated season. So, you know, high school's over. You're going to Butler University. You're a Butler University Bulldog. Your first day on campus, were you nervous? Were you scared? Was it what you expected? Give, take us through your thought process. Well, of course, it was a new experience, but my older brother had gone off to college at the University of Illinois, not as a basketball player, but just as a student. And he had joined a fraternity there, and uh, I experienced a lot of the college experiences just through him vicariously as he told us his stories and experiences, so I certainly wasn't scared as I went there, but having fortunately obtained the scholarship, I knew there wasn't going to be a financial drain on my parents, so that helped tremendously. And I did join a fraternity, Phi Delta Theta, as a freshman in college there, although I lived in the dormitory my freshman year. But uh, I met a lot of good quality people, which included my uh, good friend Don Thompson, who I've been lifetime friends with ever since, who later became a high school basketball referee in Indiana. And I was pleased to get to meet, uh, actually, at the Indianapolis 500 race that spring before my senior year. I met the other basketball players who had agreed to come to Butler at that point in time. Uh, so that included uh, Larry Shade, uh, who I ended up spending all four years with and who's in the Butler Basketball Hall of Fame from Seymour, Indiana. And so Larry and I uh, were friends. He lived in the dorm as well. So we uh, were together from the very beginning. That helped having the fraternity being a part a part of that group was very reassuring and fortunately the academics were challenging but certainly not overbearing so things got off to a pretty good start for me at butler now was pop hedron your uh, freshman coach he was 
That is correct. Uh, what was he like, and what was uh, what were what were some of the other players that came in with you, and what was the uh, playing freshman basketball? And what was the biggest difference between uh, the college basketball game, at least at the freshman level, and coming from a small town uh, high school level? Sure. Well, Pop was a different sort of a person. He also <laughs> coached football as well as basketball, and as every Butler player knows, Pop was a unique individual. But he treated me with respect. And being a scholarship player, um, I was the starting center on the freshman team at that point in time. I was six foot five, and things got off to a good start until I sprained my ankle uh, uh, shortly before what was going to be the freshman varsity game. Because in those days, 1962-63 season, freshmen were not eligible to play varsity, right. so we uh, played the, the varsity. And I sprained my ankle shortly before that, as I'd done a couple of times in high school. So. I was really apprehensive but I was able to get back in time to play that so Butler had a very good team that year with um, really good quality players returning but I got to play the freshman varsity game Jeff Blue was the center on the varsity team at that point when he uh, was an all-conference player for several years and in college and was in the Hall of Fame at Butler and I'd seen Jeff play at Bainbridge High School at the center stage of Lafayette when I was in high school so I was very impressed by Jeff's talents in high school and I'll be playing against him in college was uh, a bit apprehensive because he was not only taller but much bigger and stronger could jump far better than I could but did a respectable showing I guess the freshman the varsity game unfortunately shortly thereafter that I started having some problems with my left knee and that's continued to be a problem throughout my freshman year so your freshman year ends up and you're 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 ready to uh to get back into your second year what was it like coming back did you still have the in, were you still a little bit injury prone with the with the knees or did you just slide right back into the game well i got back into the game it was only one knee that i had the problem with the left knee and they um sent me to st vincent's hospital did some work on it and basically the rest of my college career i had off and on problems with the knee but fortunately with cortisone shots i was able to get by and then do what needed to be done so freshman year the varsity had a lot of returning players again um uh, Tom Bowman was back at one forward spot, and Jeff Blue, all quality names to Butler, to a Butler basketball fans. So we had a very good, strong team. I sort of, uh, I was not a starter my um, sophomore year, filled in behind uh, Jeff occasionally as backup center, uh, sometimes at a forward slot. So it was mostly a learning year, a lot of time in practice, uh, trying to challenge the, the starters as much as possible. But I enjoyed the sophomore season tremendously, and the chance to travel and go places around the country. Our first game was at Ohio State, and an uh, interesting experience. During layups at Ohio State over in Columbus, Ohio, I noticed this big crowd gathering on one corner of the gym down in the Ohio State end, and I couldn't figure out what was going on until we went to run down to the locker room before the game started and ran by there, and I saw in the center of the crowd signing autographs was Jerry Lucas. Well, Jerry Lucas, as you probably well know, is yes. a former Ohio State quality player, that I had grown up reading about in Sport Magazine was sort of a, a hero of mine because he was a tall high school player who had gone on to be successful in college. He was a good academic student, which I'd always tried to be myself. So even though I'd never actually met him, just to be on the same gym floor with him running by was sort of awe-inspiring for me to be that close to my uh, childhood hero, Jerry Lucas. Awesome. What was your first? Uh, do you remember going into your first game as a varsity player, and uh, you, you remember scoring your first bucket, and who it was against? I have to admit, at this point, I do not. <laughs> I remember the first high school game, but I do not remember the first bucket in college. You know, it was my sophomore year. It might have been out at UCLA. We got to go out and play against John Wooden's 
team out there. Um, we knew that they were a very good team because they had a bunch of returning players that year. But they had this one skinny little left-handed guard that none of us had heard about yet. His name was Gail Goodrich. Yeah. And he, of course, went on to become a legend in basketball as well. But I think it might have been either the UCLA game or the following night against SC out in Los Angeles. But I'm not certain of that. What was travel like back then? I know it's totally different from the game today. but It truly was. Um, obviously, we were somewhat, I think, traveling on what would be considered a limited budget. But obviously, having never traveled places like that before, I wasn't about to complain about anything. It was wonderful for me to be all these places and have the chance to uh, fly to Los Angeles, fly to Columbus, Ohio. I'd never been in an airplane prior to that in my life. So uh, these travel opportunities were new experiences to me, and I thought that they were fabulous. Now, as an adult looking back on them today, I see that it probably wasn't quite the first-class operation a lot of today's athletes might experience. But believe me, there was no complaining, and we were very fortunate, and we were well cared for. And one of the interesting things I remember, once we got into an airport terminal, it was difficult for anyone to walk faster than Coach Tony Hinkle because when he had a plane to catch, he was on the move quickly. (laughs) So was it your junior year when you uh, uh, started starting? Yes, that is correct. I was partway through my junior year, and I got to begin starting some games later on then. I remember the first game I started was up against Notre Dame, and we were playing at Notre Dame up in South Bend, and it was going to be a regionally televised Saturday afternoon game. And we were just going to travel by bus up there, so we left early Saturday morning. But unfortunately, I can't remember, it probably was a January game, maybe February, but I'm going to guess January. There had been a snowstorm, and it was still snowing, so we started up, uh, I think it was Highway 31 to northern Indiana, went part of the way, and we got snowed in, and the bus said, we can't make it, we got to turn around and go back. So then they started up, I think we ended up going up through Lafayette and eventually getting uh, part of the way, and we stopped in Rochester, Indiana, which is the county seat of Fulton County, where I'm from originally, and the coaches went in and all grabbed the sandwiches for lunch on the way up to South Bend. And we got there something like 35 or 40 minutes before the game was scheduled to start, and the uh, we were met at the bus and said, you've got whatever, 35 minutes to get dressed, get warmed up, because this game has to start promptly on time, which was far less time than we would normally have. So it wasn't the best of circumstances. We were a bit rushed. I remember Notre Dame still had their old field house at that point, so we had to literally stand when we took the ball out of bounds between the legs of the fans who were sitting on the sidelines. And in in those days, uh, Notre Dame was still an all-male school. So uh, I remember standing on the sidelines, throwing the ball in bounds, and having the hairs on the back of my legs pulled by the Notre Dame fans sitting there and things like that. But we lost the first game, but it was my first opportunity to start, and some of my high school friends and teachers from Northern Indiana went to see me play the game. So it was a positive experience, needless to say. I know I bumped ahead a little bit, but let's go back just a little bit. What was your first thoughts of uh, when you first got to do some drills or do some one-on-ones or some, some practicing on that Hinkle, the basketball floor. What, what was that uh, feeling like? Was it the same feeling you had all four years while you were at Butler? And, and do you think that would feel the same today? Well, I always had tremendous respect for the field house and what had happened there with the state tournaments always being played there, the success rusher that Coach Hinkle had there, obviously. So, I can't say I was necessarily in awe. And as a senior in high school, I got to go watch the state championships there. And at that point, I hadn't yet been offered a scholarship by Butler, so I was hoping I would be able to do so. And about two weeks after that, I was offered a scholarship, so I didn't know it when I was there at that point. But nevertheless, it was a marvelous experience. And going out there, 
I was always the kind of player that tried very hard to do what the coaches wanted me to do. I was not at all an individual go-on-my-own type player. Whatever was best for the team is what I always tried to do. And fortunately, Coach Hinkle, as I well knew, was believed in the system, the, the Hinkle way, so to speak. And that always worked well for me, and I had no problems fitting into a system basketball program. And the fact that we, most of the time, never had anybody taller than six foot six on the team, and we were first half of the season always playing teams that were far bigger and taller than us, we knew that our team concept was what was going to help us win the games, and I always enjoyed that, and I felt like fit into that kind of a system very well. Were you ever in Tony Hinkle's doghouse? Was it a hard place to get into? Was it easy a place to get out? <laughs> I'm sure I must have been in, but I never received the award that he used to offer to the players who's in the doghouse to set above the locker until somebody else earned it. I never earned it, so I'm <laughs> blessed in that respect. Um, I don't think I ever did anything so drastically that upset him enough to put me in his doghouse directly. I remember one time over at Ball State University, just as a half was ending, uh, Larry Shade had intercepted a pass and went down, and he had a defender real close to him, but he threw up this shot just as the half was ending, and I had followed it up, and I was trying to put my hand above the rim just in case it came out so I could tip it back in, and the referee called me for offensive goaltending, which was the only time in my life I ever had an offensive goaltending call against me, and Coach Hinkle was not at all happy about that, and he let me know it at halftime. But fortunately, I made a couple of shots in the second half, so I, I guess he forgave me, and, and time marched us on. So you started that Notre Dame game your junior year. What was uh, the rest of the season like your, your, your junior year? What were some of your biggest competition that you played against, or did you have any wow moments your, your junior year? Nothing tremendous the junior year. We didn't quite live up to what we thought we should have done for the balance of the junior year. We kept coming close, but we didn't quite put it all together. So there's nothing really stands out so much the junior year. But uh, the senior year was uh, fortunately a different story, and we had some wonderful moments that year. Tell us, some, tell us about some of them. Well, the senior year we started out uh, with, uh, I believe we beat USC in the first game of the year. They came back and played us there. We uh, had uh, a real tough game. They had a player by the name of John Block who was uh, an all-conference player later on. I think he was a 6'10 fellow, as I recall, and later on played in the pros. And he and Ed Schilling, the center in our team, had a strong uh, confrontation, but we ended up winning that game by one. And we ended up knocking off a number of big teams earlier on in the season that year. We beat Oklahoma. Um, and then, of course, the big game came shortly before Christmas, my senior year, when we played Michigan. And depending on which college poll you looked at, they were ranked either second or third in the nation around December 22nd when we played them there in the field house uh, my senior year. And we had the good fortune that night to, to uh, Jim Petty guarded Kaji Russell, who was the National Player of the Year that year, and he was one of the first really big point guards in college basketball. Kaji was six foot six, and was an All-American, All-Big Ten Player of the Year, and ended up being National Player of the Year that year. And Jim did a marvelous defensive job on Kaji. We all guarded well. We stuck with the Hinkle system, and we ended up beating Michigan that night by 14 points which was the highlight of my college career. And believe me, it was the headline of just about every sports newspaper across the country the next day. I think that's the uh, they play that also in a video montage before all the Butler Bulldog basketball games, if I'm not correct. Am I correct? That is correct. Yeah. And I think Butler also recently did uh, some sort of a survey or of the top ten college games played in Butler basketball history. And I think that game came in either number seven or number eight. So it ranks a uh, 
obviously not as high as the national championship games that Butler has played more recently, but nevertheless, it was one of the top games ever, and it was a marvelous experience to be part of that. And I think, I, if I recall correctly, I had the distinction of being the only starter that night that played all 40 minutes of the game, and I never actually got taken out of that game at all. So that's one thing I'll always have that's a little unique. Did you have a favorite, of course, besides Hinkle Fieldhouse, did you, did you have a favorite place to, uh, to play during your time at Butler that you enjoyed going to, or was there a place that you didn't enjoy going to and playing? Well, I always enjoyed Valparaiso. Valparaiso University had recruited me heavily as well, and it was a smaller gym, of course, but I always enjoyed going up there. It, um, <clears throat> we were always very competitive with him. I think I had one of my better games my senior year up at Valpo, if, if I remember serves me correctly. I think ended up with 16 points and 16 rebounds that night, which was one of my better college games. <laughs> On the other side of the coin, going down to Evansville and playing the, Ev- the Aces down there in their home court was never a positive experience. They were uh, the number one small college team in the nation at that point in time, and they were in our college conference at that point. They had Larry Humes, who was one of the best small college players in the nation, if not the best at that point. So they gave us our hands full every time we played them down there in Evansville. You know, I asked this question about uh, uh, in high school basketball, did you have a game where the rim was huge? Did you have one of those uh, while at Butler? I don't think I ever had a game where I scored more than 16 points, actually, my senior year while I was at Butler. I was much more of a, a rebounder, a team player, shoot good uh, percentages from the free throw line, which I fortunately was always a fairly accurate free throw shooter. Uh, in the in the Hinkle way, in the fifth way, as the program was called, whoever had the open shot took it, and I was not one to force shots, so I never took a lot of shots, but I, I think 16 points was probably the most I ever scored. I think I uh, l- maybe had 16 one other time down at Evansville. We lost down there, but I led the team scoring one night down there as well. But uh, uh, scoring a lot of points wasn't necessarily my strong point, but I remember Coach Hinkle in one of the Indiana Star articles of my senior year uh, did compliment me about being a good all-around player and that I could help bring the ball up the court against a press if need be. I was a consistent rebounder. I shot good percentages with the, with the basketball from the floor and free-throw line. And usually you got into double figures from the uh, scoring buck points as well. So overall, I guess he was pleased with my game. You know, speaking of Coach Hinkle, was he someone that you were close to? Is there someone that you can get close to? Is there any stories of him and you in a coach-player relationship? Well, probably I could have gotten closer to him had I made the effort to do so, but I would have to say I did not do that. For example, I was the only one of the players who started my freshman year that went on ahead and graduated in four years. I was always really academic conscientious about getting through in four years because I knew I only had a scholarship for four years. I had to graduate. And things were a little different then than they are in more recent times, I understand, in terms of accessibility to the field house and off-season. Uh, some of the guys apparently would go in an off-season in the summertime and would shoot baskets and things in the field house. I never did that because I was always working at a summer job somewhere, uh, trying to make enough money to live on the off-season so I could afford to come back and enjoy my scholarship for the following year at Butler. So I was usually either during the school year at the library studying, trying to keep my grades up academically, so I didn't hang around a lot at the field house like some of the other players I found out after the fact were doing. And that's really my fault, I guess, because I found out later as an adult talking with some of my teammates that 
there were jobs that available if I needed to come back in fifth year, they would have found things for me to do. I just didn't realize it at the time, and I put that on myself for not being um, inquisitive enough or active enough to find out what my options might have been at that point in time. But I had tremendous respect for Coach Hinkle. Always tried to do whatever he wanted me to do, and hopefully that's what led to some of the success that our teams did enjoy. Now, you, you've said several times during our conversation, the Hinkle way. Was there a was there a scheme offensively or defensively that you guys that you know he just he he had established and he did year after year after year? Very much so. And the defensive teams and coaches from the other team schools were very much aware of that. But the beauty of it was, if we ran the system correctly, eventually somebody was going to get an open shot, and we did not have a shot clock in those days. So that's why it was important to have five guys on the floor who could score and not have to rely just on one or two players because with the system, the way it worked, you might end up playing any one of five positions on the floor at one point in time as we went through the system. And it was a marvelous system, and even though the other teams knew it, eventually one of the defensive players on the other team would not make a proper switch or wouldn't do something correctly, in which case somebody on our team would then have an open shot. And that's why... When we did it correctly, we would usually end up with four players averaging double figures for most of the games because the scoring was very evenly balanced as a result of the Hinkle system. Once you graduated, and I know uh, we'll get to what you went into and stuff like that, but you know, years after you graduated, did you, did you keep any kind of relationships with any of uh, uh, your teammates? Are you guys close-knit or no? Or Well, I wish, looking back, again, I had done more of that, but as soon as I graduated, I started working because I had been a pre-law major in Butler, and as a pre-law major, that meant I was going to go on to law school after I graduated. And I will just share you quickly, the only reason I was a pre-law major is the junior varsity coach of my high school team was also my high school history teacher. And when I started getting recruited by colleges, he asked me one day, Lon, what are you going to major in college? I said, I don't know. I like all my subjects here in high school. He said, well, you know, in history, you're a straight-A student. You do a really good job at that. You might think about maybe studying, uh, becoming a pre-law major. I thought, well, okay, that sounds good. So when I got to college, they asked me what I wanted to major in. I said, well, pre-law. And then as years went, the four years went by, and I had fraternity brothers, some of whom were pre-law majors, also went on to law school. And then they came back after graduation and told me a law degree was a very versatile thing that you can have. I decided that, well, it sounds like a good thing to have. So I was always focused on academics because I wanted to be able to get into law school. But as soon as I graduated from Butler, which I did in four years, I started working for American United Life Insurance Company during the day, and I went to IU Law School at night. And so I was busy working, and I didn't get to go to many Butler basketball games because I was going to law school five nights a week and working 40 hours a week during the day. So that sort of kept me from establishing my relationships with my former teammates. And as I look back on that, I regret that I chose that path. You know, business-wise, it probably turned out well for me. But athletically, in terms of maintaining a relationship with the former players, I didn't get the opportunity that I probably should have or I would have liked to have been able to have done. So once you graduated from Butler, you went right – so you, you, you got your law degree from, from IU. That is correct. Then I went on – I did a year and a half of law school in Indianapolis, and I went down to Bloomington, and I finished law school down there. And that's where I did things like play AAU basketball and so forth. But I, when I was in Bloomington, of course, it wasn't really practical to drive up to Butler for basketball games. So I really didn't get to see many games that uh, first – those three years when I was first out of college because I was so busy working and going to law school. Uh, tell us about some of the AAU. Um, so uh, you were on a team? 
yes, I was on an AAU team, and fortunately there are many other former college players, some of which were former Butler players, some were former IU players, and it was a marvelous experience to have the chance to play with these fellows, and we had the good fortune my, let's see, in 1968, I guess I would have been my second year of law school. Yes, my second year of law school. We uh, won the Indiana AAU Amateur Championship, our AAU team did, and then we were able to go up to Chicago and play the mid for the Midwestern AAU Amateur Champions up there, and fortunately we had the good fortune of winning that, which then made it possible for us to go on to play in the National AAU Championships in 1968, and at that time, those were always held out in Denver, Colorado. And it was from those championship games in those days that they selected the Olympic team for the 1968 Olympics. And so we went out there and played. We did not win, but we represented ourselves well, I thought. And because none of us had been there before, our AAU team thought it would be a good idea to have a player on our team who'd had some experience at the AAU level. And so they suggested, well, maybe it would be a good idea to bring someone on board with us like that. And there was a certain player in Indianapolis who, I think they made a movie about him called Hoosiers. <laughs> <laughs> we were able to get him to join us and play on our team as we went out to Denver for that AAU tournament. So Bobby Plump, who was also a Butler graduate, of course, and used to come down to the locker rooms when I was playing at Butler, uh, was on our AAU team to sort of share with us what it was like at the AAU championships because Billy, I'm sorry, because Bobby had been there before and had experience with that. So that was my only opportunity to ever play on a team with Bobby Plump, but it was a wonderful experience. So how did you how did you get to San Diego and and, and doing what you do now and of course retired? Yes. Well, I mentioned earlier I have an older brother, Larry, that graduated University of Illinois and then went out was a naval officer and from an ROTC scholarship with the Navy and he got stationed in San Diego, California so he was stationed out here and when I was uh, still in high school at that point in time and so when he and his wife had their first baby, a little girl my parents brought us out to see the new granddaughter and so that was my first time visiting San Diego and then after I got out of law school I had the good fortune to be hired by the Indiana Attorney General's office as a new young attorney, and while I was there, my brother and his wife had their second baby, another little girl, and so during uh, my vacation time, I came with my parents out to San Diego again to visit and see the new grandchild. So I'd been to San Diego, I've been to San Diego on two different occasions, and found out that it doesn't snow everywhere in the wintertime in certain parts of the country, and San Diego had wonderful weather year-round. So after I spent about a year and a half with the Attorney General's office practicing law there in, in Indianapolis, I decided, that, well, I was only 27 and single. I could go out to San Diego and try it. And if I didn't like it, I could always come back to Indianapolis, where I still knew many, many people, of course. And once I got out to San Diego and I had to study and pass the California bar exam, which I was able to do, I went into practice of law out here. And as they say, the rest is history. And I spent 40 years practicing law out here and was fortunate enough three and a half years ago to have my uh, practice uh, purchased by a large law firm here in San Diego. So I was able to retire, and they took all of my employees and associate attorneys and paralegals, and I was able to make a clean break and walk away from the practice of law, and I'm enjoying retirement and having grandchildren out here myself. 
Absolutely amazing. You know, I've had the honor of chatting with uh, Rick Mount, um, Kent Benson, um, uh, Gary Long, um, and, you know, I, I have learned more today than I probably learned from those guys in chatting with them, and it's been a pleasure uh, chatting with you about your memories of Indiana High School basketball, Butler University, and, and I appreciate you spending about an hour with us um, keeping the nostalgia alive. Well, it's certainly my pleasure, Billy. Thank you very much for this opportunity. And if I can ever be of any other help or answer any other question, feel free to contact me at any time. Absolutely amazing. Thank you very much.